off, I just want to say I like the setup of your podcast. By the way, it's Thank awesome. You. I like we prior to going live, we had a little pep talk about how uh, kind of the vibe you're going for and the angle you do. I like that a lot, very much. I, it almost makes me think, damn, mine mine is just like very loose format. My my podcast, the immigrant section, is just like. Sometimes I get an immigrant on and we just talk about whatever the hell and sometimes <laughs> just a white person and we talk about whatever the hell. So I like that you keep you try to keep it that angle. That's actually really cool. Um Welcome to the Immigrant Podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, Abbas Wahab. He's also a podcaster and he talks about the immigrant section. So you can definitely go ahead and check his podcast as well called The Immigrant Section. Thanks for having me, Nick. How are you? I'm great. Uh, we're trying our best with the quarantine and staying positive. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm speaking from a basement right now, so I'm doing my best. Are you having the podcast life right now in the basement? This is really like what people picture when you have a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I, uh, I record video on mine. So if you ever check out my podcast, you'll see I, uh, it's a two chair setup. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm sitting in my chair right now, but all the lights are off. So <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going audio only today. Yes, audio only. So that's amazing. So right now you're in Toronto. Do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Like where you're from? If you immigrated, like when did it happen? Yeah, yeah cool, so. cool. As far as my backstory, I'm from Sudan. I was born in Sudan, uh, mm -hmm. now North Sudan. I moved to Canada when I was in first grade, six years old. I studied all of uh, grade school and high school in Canada. I got an engineering degree as immigrants must. It is the law. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, right. I got my engineering degree and then I moved to the United States for three years working as an engineer. And uh, okay. during that time, I started doing open my comedy at night for mm -hmm. uh, for quite some time. And then about in my third year in the States, uh, the company went bankrupt. I lost my visa and I had to move back to Canada. This was in late 2017, about three years ago, pretty much three years ago. Exactly. Mm hmm. And uh, when I moved back to Canada, I said, screw engineering. I never really wanted to do engineering. I just thought that I must do engineering. You know, you I was... You did it for uh, your parents, right? Exactly. You know, I, they had me convinced. You know, uh, for engineers, it's very typical. Sorry, rather for immigrants, it's very typical to have the expectations of you're either mm -hmm. an engineer or a doctor. Choose one. Yeah, it's like four jobs. I take lawyers, um, tax, accountants, engineers, doctor. Yeah, but if you had to jobs. choose two, I think we know what the two would be, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, doctors and engineers exactly. are the best. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so that being said, growing up, if someone asked me, why do you want to be an engineer? I would tell them, well, I don't want to be a doctor. So... <laughs> <laughs> Like I literally had in my, cause I'm an, like I moved in when I was six and the whole mindset for immigrant parents is security. How do we get these kids into a secure role? Mm -hmm. Because we moved here chasing security. All we want is security. How do we, how do we, uh, pass the beacon forward? How do we instill security in them? We push them towards these professions, like being a doctor, yeah. being an engineer. 
Yeah, because they, they had a different reality, you know, like you mentioned, it's really security they were looking for. They immigrated for that, to find better jobs, better lives. And, and us, when we're growing up here, we already have the kind of security a little bit. We also have much more choices when we come to countries like Canada, USA, like UK, North countries, I will say. We have choices. So our mentality like gets to be a little a little bit different in the long run, you know. But then their goal was to to find security. And unfortunately, they can't do it, some of them, because they they got older, so they cannot work or change career, like start all over. Some of some of them do. But when they can't, what happened? They want their kids to do it. So they transfer their goal to their kids. <laughs> exactly. I mean, take my father for an example, very educated. He studied, he graduated from Sudan and he got scholarships mm -hmm. and he got his MBA in Holland, in Europe. And he yeah. worked as a, a minister of finance in Oman in the Middle East. Despite all that, when we came to Canada, everything was denied. Nothing was recognized. Exactly. Fast forward, driving a cab for 15 to 20 years with super highly educated surgeons and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's the story been told over and over. And that was my dad. So obviously they wanted to instill doctor engineer. Fast forward, yeah. I do it. I, 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 I achieve their dream and uh, I just don't like it. It was never meant for me. I was always the class clown from a kid. I was always obsessed with stand-up. I was always meant to go down this path, but you know, I was just sold on that idea of, oh, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an engineer. I didn't even know what an engineer does, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was just say, oh, I'm going to be an engineer. What do they do? I don't know. I'm going to be one. <laughs> so... Essentially, for the last three years, I have done no engineering. I focused entirely on just my creative pursuits. Uh, so I do stand-up. I mean, obviously, this is pre-pandemic. I would do stand-up every night. I had my podcast going. and I'd do a little jobs here and there to keep my hours open so I can remain creative. Uh, my, so pretty much, I took a, a big U-turn in my life just as far as creativity is concerned. Mm-hmm. To get away from engineering and just focus more on this road of uh, essentially trying to be a professional comedian. Yeah, like following your passion. And um, that's amazing, honestly. It, it, it takes guts to, to really do that. And uh, my next question definitely would be, how did your parents react? Well, of course they thought, well, see, this all lined up with my brother passed away six months before this whole thing, me moving back to Canada. So okay, okay. when he passed away, I was like, and I went back to the office already not liking engineering mm. and it really didn't make sense. Then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? Because now I mortality was in my face. I knew I, mm -hmm. if your brother one year older than you dies you okay. think oh my god i never thought my siblings would pass away now i could die and okay, if i could yeah. die what am i doing why am i doing this who is this for i'm already doing comedy at night and i love it but I'm thinking at this point, I was thinking, oh, I'll do comedy uh, and engineering for five or seven years. And then when I'm good, I'll transfer mm -hmm. just to comedy. This was my little plan, right? Mm -hmm. But then when that happened, I was like, no, that's, that doesn't make any sense at all. So essentially, 
I, uh, I was so unhappy at work. I used to work in Michigan at this time. And I was thinking, oh, you know what the problem is? Michigan. Michigan is the problem. Mm. <laughs> not this job, not this career. It's Michigan. So I was like, let me go to California. Let me move to San Francisco. So I got a job in San Francisco. And I moved to, I, you know, like Silicon Valley is in San Mateo. San, like the mm-hmm. Bay Area has Silicon. So I went to go work there. And that's when I realized, oh, it's it's this job. It's it's not wherever you are. The, the location has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Six months down the road, the company goes bankrupt. I lose the job. So the universe throws this opportunity into my lap to reset, to move back to Canada and make it. Do I just jump back into an engineering role or no? So at this point... My parents were like, okay, you know, they expected me to get in, an engineering job. And at this point, I was pretty vocal about being like, you know, this this is not for me. But obviously, they're thinking, you know, he's crazy. His brother passed away. He's having an emotional thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's a time. It's going to pass. Yeah, he's yeah. losing it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, mm-hmm. he's... Um, you know what? Someone's family member passes away and they do something drastic in their life. They're thinking, yeah. oh, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, shit, right? <laughs> they yeah, yeah, they, yeah, really, they lost it. They lost it. They broke, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's kind of what they attributed to. But time went on and I'm still, I was like still so obsessed with it. I was driving like crazy trying to do open mics and shows. I would drive to Toronto from London, my hometown, when I moved back to Canada and like, do shows all night, drive back. Like I would drive five hours and do shows all night and it'd be a five hour round trip. And, uh, and that, and they still were like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Go back to engineering. How do you have a degree and you're not using it? You're stupid. Mm -hmm. That was the kind of vibe, right? Mm -hmm. And then what happened ironically enough was I got into acting and I booked a McDonald's billboard where I was biting into a sandwich (laughs) for for McDonald's all through Canada. It had nothing to do with comedy. But them seeing me on a billboard, they stopped yeah. asking all the questions. <laughs> They're like, oh, he's doing, he's doing something. Look, he's on a billboard for McDonald's. It has nothing to do with comedy. You know what I mean? Nothing. Yeah, to, yeah, but, yeah. I, but as far as they could look up and point to something and be like, that's what our son, that's what he's doing. Exactly. They want to show other people like what their son is, like, uh, is doing. Yeah. As, as soon as they could show that, all the questions mm-hmm. stopped. Wow. And, wow, uh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and now they still bring it up. It was two years ago, and like <laughs> they're like McDonald. I'm like, yeah, okay, that was two years ago. <laughs> that had nothing to do with, um, that had nothing to do with merit. Rather, McDonald's just needed a black face to mm-hmm. use to sell burgers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to fill in the space. Yeah, yeah exactly. Took it as your no. opportunity. It legitimized me big time in their mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah, that's that's very true. It's a good point that you brought up. It's like sometimes um, they just don't understand what we want. Like, because there's also time that comes as a conflict. Like, it's a new time. New things are coming up. Like, even the jobs are changing. We we need new skills as well. And they just didn't follow these um, these evolution in society, I guess, because it, it's not their time. It's not their fault, you know? So sometimes there is that glitch between our parents and us to just don't understand what we're talking about so when we say like we want something different we want to do something completely different they don't get it and they fear like they're afraid that we we don't succeed and we don't have that security and then we just fall off on society exactly so, yeah. um, 
as a parent, totally can understand that. But at the same time, the only thing I always tell my parents, I'm like, if you don't know, it's okay. But like, let me teach you at least. (laughs) Can you be like open-minded, at least receive some new information? Because that's when the problem is really like, you know, it's because they're, they're, they close themselves. They're They're like, in their ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not my way. So it's not good. But there are plenty of other ways, like in 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 life, and I'm I'm I agree with them. The fact that the four jobs, like it's more secured, but at the same time, there are a lot of lawyers that don't have jobs right now because there are too many lawyers in the uh, in the industry, especially like in Montreal. I don't know for Toronto, but it's very tough out there, like as a lawyer, oh, and uh, especially in the United States, it's extremely oversaturated. Exactly, it's oversaturated, and even engineers too, like. You still have to work your way through things. So what what the really big difference between like our parents' generation and us is that we're really focusing on passion. As of them, it was like, that's the job that's Security. available. We're going to take it. Yeah. Security first. There was no concept of passion. Yeah. And it's passion still did difficult. not exist. It's yeah. still difficult to to totally explain that. And it's one of those things where, like till this day, my brother-in-law, my older sister's husband, mm-hmm. he goes to me. Abbas, you know, Abbas, I, I, we have cousins in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Bahrain. They make 12,000 US a month, no tax. What are you thinking? Like, and I'm like, every time I'm like, yo, I don't care about the money. I've made a lot of money and it doesn't do anything for you. Money does nothing for you. And I had to make it to realize that. Yeah, exactly. Because what makes you happy at the end of the day? It's Is it the money? Because you might have... The any number of money, any amount of money, and you're still not happy. And uh, if you wake like, up in the morning and you hate what you're about to do, who cares how much money you have? That is the worst feeling in the world. It doesn't matter how exactly. much your salary is. It literally doesn't matter. And some people, like, <sighs> it's always, it's always, uh, you know, the, the the house always looks nicer from the outside. So mm-hmm. to speak. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It always looks beautiful. Like there's, there's always a lot of envy around. Like, whoa, that's your salary. That's your car. Your man, your life is so good. It's like mm-hmm. I'm doing a job where I'm going against the grain. I have to not say the things I want to say to live. I have to mm-hmm. dance the dance and juggle the ball in a way that is killing me to live. I can't. Mm-hmm. Like I used to work for this company that would send me to China all the time to work. I would oversee, like in San Francisco, I would oversee the launch of a product in China, all right? Mm -hmm. And I'd be in China working stupid hours and like, I would be like, hey, the the team would want to go, the team would want to break their backs for this company that has no interest in their longevity. The the company only has interest in launching this product and this team is killing themselves to achieve that. And I'm like, for who? Who is this for? And I and I just remember at times I would voice some concerns and like the VP of operations who was my boss would just come down at me and be like, I will not have you uh, jeopardize the morale of this team. And you have to like put your tail between your legs because that job is paying your rent and your lease payment. You mm. cannot, you cannot voice your real concerns because you've depend on this job for your lifestyle. And that's the worst yeah. feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're 100% right on that. Like, definitely money helps. We do need to pay the rent and everything. But you, you have a good point here. It's like, it, it has to stick with your values. That's that's how I explain it. I I, I don't often say, like, money is not important. Like, we, we need money. We need it to eat, sadly. To we a certain need point. It. To a certain yeah, for point. To, exactly. For certain points. And then we just have to make sure it aligns. Our values are aligned with what we do. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that, so that's right. how I like really phrase it. Because really some people awesome. are like, yeah, they always use the argument. Yeah, but you need money. You wouldn't be able to pay your rent. Like, and it, it just needs to be aligned. And also, as you mentioned earlier, like you wanted to do like your engineering job just for security. And then after on the sides, you do um, comedy and stand ups. Like a lot of people do that. They do like a, a job to pay the rent. And then after they know they do their passion like on the side until the passion can pay the rent, you know? <laughs> Is when you accept a huge salary and like a, a kind of a you role, that, <laughs> senior role, right? So yeah, it's so mentally taxing. It is mm -hmm. so you can't just be involved. Like your brain is working; it's overclocked all day for eight hours and nine hours, yeah. and you get out of the office and your job yeah. doesn't stop. The emails are still going, the calls are still going, and somehow I'm supposed to switch to funny mode and like like. You can only do that so long. You only have so much bandwidth in your mind. And you have to, at some point, you have to decide. It's like, where am I going to focus my energy? Because I'm going to burn myself out at this rate. That's very true. You brought up a good point here because, like, it takes time. Like, your your full-time job, they really, really take as much time and as much as they can from you. But because I, they're I know, paying you. Yeah. I know a lot of roles where... When you leave at five or six, you leave at five or six. That's it. The job mm -hmm. stays at five or six. That's mm -hmm. not the job you have as a program manager for a tech company. That's that, true. That's yeah. not that's not the nature of the role that you just leave, and that's not what it is. And and the, and the, and the salary reflects that. So at first glance, you're like, "Whoa, look at all this money!" Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and then after, you're like, yeah. "Oh, you're losing it." You're like, "What is the point of this? What? Is, because." You know what I found myself doing? Mm -hmm. I would try to make the most money possible. I, I would try to jump companies to make the most money possible. Mm -hmm. And then all of the money that is uh, in excess of what I need to live, you know, like paying your rent, paying your lease, your car, paying whatever you need to pay, mm -hmm. all of that net positive money, my focus would become, okay, now how do I grow this money as fast as possible? So my life became just money focused. How do I get the most money? And then how do I inflate and grow this money? Okay, I'm going to try to find a, an apartment to buy. And I, okay, I'm going to try to flip this apartment. Okay, okay, I got to get a portfolio going. How do I grow mm -hmm. this? And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? What is this all for? Yes. What is this all for? You know, like, I, yeah, my, yeah, can yeah, I yeah, take you, this you, money you, to the grave with me? Yeah. Uh-huh. So you just get to that point. And luckily for me, it's a really, it's really difficult to just step away from something like that because uh, it's like a wave in, in your whole security and your standard of living. But like I said, me getting let go from that company was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was just mm -hmm. like the universe handed it to me in my lap. Exactly, it was a decision yeah. I might have not have made by myself. Yeah. It's like you can't make the decision. Here you go. We're going to make it for you. Yeah. And that was that's what the beauty, I think, is for the masses. When this pandemic hit in March, everyone mm -hmm. got that. Everyone got that feeling where it's like, yo, here's your reset. If you're doing something you really don't like doing, there's no more excuse. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. That's so true. Here's their opportunity to reset. Exactly. And everybody now is trying to find like an online business. They're, they're learning. And it, it's difficult as well because you need to learn everything on your own. Like working for a company with for someone, like they already have a structure and like it's much easier. Once you start on your own, everything is is like it's new you need to learn learn everything so it it comes with personality as well like you you have you have to like you have to really um like want we have yeah you have to yes we have to be honest with that like it it takes a personality to do this not everybody can and i'm sure some people they might be unhappy in their jobs but they just don't have the guts just like i mentioned to you in the beginning i was like you the guts to do that you know and they also don't have the personality and we were not educated like that because especially like i don't know in immigrant families especially like the education is really like you you follow the rules you <laughs> you don't uh, make problems you, don't make waves exactly you don't make problems with the white people you <laughs> absolutely yeah you, you do your thing and then you come back home you know and uh so that's how we were educated a lot of us i'm pretty sure some people had a complete opposite education than that but many of us from many different countries and cultures it's often like that it's just like you do your thing and then you finish school you find a job you find yourself a girl or a guy and then you get married you have your house oh there's a playbook children yeah, yes, exactly. It's a playbook. Everything is already prepared. So it takes a huge personality to just decide to start doing new things and you have no idea what you're doing. Absolutely. But if you have this passion inside you and and it really depends, like I think it's like if that that feeling of fear towards trying something new, fear of jumping over the ledge into something mm-hmm. new, if that fear is less than the angst you have in the morning for the job you do, then you're never going to do it. That's you got to truly hate the thing you're doing. If, you, if you're if you in kind of something that's like dilly-dally, you can just be an autopilot forever. And that's fine for some people. It's just mm-hmm. you can't. For so long, I would look at the masses to dictate what I did. Okay, what's everybody else doing? And let's let that inform me on how I should act. And now it's like, fuck all that. Let me just w- ask myself, what do I want to do? What do I want to do and take it from there? And thank God this pandemic, the the Canada uh, Emergency Relief Benefit, CERB and now CRB has literally Mm -hmm. funded. If you are an artist, there is no excuse these last eight months. The government has fund, Justin Trudeau has personally funded each one of us artists who are struggling. That would be like, I can't do art and do a full-time job. Well, the pandemic happened. There's your money for rent for eight months. That's really your opportunity to create it. Yeah, I did you, not know that. You probably kept your job working from home throughout, correct? Okay, yeah, yes, yes, that's why. Okay, yeah. A lot of people lost their jobs because companies had to downsize. They couldn't. They okay. couldn't just have their jobs. So Canada had a emergency relief benefit, and it still mm-hmm. got a recovery benefit. So okay. don't pay you yeah. a cent. Obviously, it's taxable income. You owe tax on it next year, but it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew it for some um, for some job and some employees, but I didn't know there was one like specific for artists and no, I guess no, no, it's no, for not specific for artists. Okay, See, okay, I, okay. In these, what I used to do for money was acting. I would MC weddings and mm-hmm. some stand up. But that's how I would pay my rent. Okay. And if you lost your income due to COVID, 
then you make the and you you know you meet some other prerequisites then yeah. you meet the standards to get this thing and yeah you can't have weddings uh the acting industry stuff forever so it's like artists a lot of artists are pretty much in this boat as long as you made five thousand dollars for the whole year in that thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like very minimal requirements for it essentially but the point is it's another one it is just a blessing in disguise where it's like i've been able to go fully creative for these last mm-hmm. all this pandemic pretty much and the government has picked up the tab and uh, definitely I, to be honest i'm just now at the point where the money is insufficient and i'm like okay i need to get a part-time job <laughs> you know what i'm mean? gonna do i need to go work for walmart so. yeah, well, that's the thing now that's the thing it's the like groceries, I, yeah i can't find a part-time engineering role because that's not really a role that happens yeah. Yeah, and a lot of engineers too. Some of them got cut because I know the suppliers. If the if they don't have any more contract with the suppliers, then they're cutting the engineers, especially in the operations. The business still has to operate profitably, yeah. one way or another. You know, mm-hmm. so exactly. whether it's cutting you or whatever they have to do to survive, uh, they're so, getting, so a lot of people did lose their job. But now I'm in a boat. I'm literally now in a very strange boat where I'm like. Okay, financially right now, uh, this benefit will stop. What can mm-hmm. I do? What ca- what skills can I leverage for money to you know stay afloat if I can't MC weddings? Uh, what can I do? And it's tough out there because there's no really part-time engineering roles. Uh, so it's like I have some friends with startups. It's like, can I offer them something? Because I still invest a lot of time doing the creative stuff I do. So I... I, I, I mm-hmm. If I did a full-time job right now, and I have a, a girlfriend, so it's like if I had a full-time job and I was doing the creative stuff, it's like you only have no so time. many hours in the day, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you have to pick and choose. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can't have a relationship and then full-time and then working on your passion and yeah, it takes exactly. A long time. You, you have to. Pick you won't be sleeping. Yeah, you have to pick and choose. Like I, I would love to do all three, but it's like. You have to pick and choose. And I love my girlfriend, so she's not going to go anywhere, right? So, <laughs> and I love my creative work. So, though, like, your mission, like, there's a, uh, an amazing quote by Naval Ravinkant, who's like uh, mm-hmm. a self-made billionaire immig- Indian immigrant. And he said, and he goes, health, love, and your mission. There's nothing else. There are no other things in your life. Health, love, and your mission. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. w- align what you do with what you love have love in your life and obviously health is financial and physical well-being right so it's mm-hmm. like how do you juggle those things and stay sane and stay fulfilled and that is where i'm at right now <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally understand you because the pandemic like it, it, it's there's some positive sides but also there's a there are a lot of challenges like for example me like i can do one week at my house just working on my critters and doing podcasts like that and i don't even realize that i did not go out of the not even in my balcony and, and i'm That's like crazy, how yeah. do i say yes but i'm so passionate with it i don't realize it's like my parents don't call me or if i if i don't make the effort or if i don't have any reasons to go out especially i work from home I'm not going out. I'm just going to find myself stuff to do to get busy. So so that's a challenge as well. And then the other thing the pandemic like help us understand is that everybody's affected. Everybody's impact impact by the pandemic. And um 
a lot of jobs that let's say if you go back to the parents the immigrant parents mentality like if you're an accountant engineer or lawyers and everything like everybody is in the same boat apart for from the doctors obviously we and still need them especially in the pandemic workers. yeah the frontline workers yeah and then the nurses and and like we have a lot of and also the janitors like we have a lot of frontline workers but other than that so many other jobs are are impacted by the pandemic so the lesson that we need to learn is the definition of security that's different it, it's new 2020 is teaching us that security is really like i don't know should we save more money should we do more like uh, investing portfolios like i think that's what we need to start thinking now it's like the new definition of security like how how we need to prepare ourselves like if another pandemic happens and There, exactly. were, there, there were a lot of pandemic before, like uh, in 1918, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, like the or Spanish, the Spanish flu? Yeah, exactly. But at the time, the market was not the same thing. Like the prices and inflation, it wasn't the same thing. Like you, you did not have a huge mortgage at the time. So all these things, we need to like just re-educate re re ourselves on that and just uh, redefine things, I guess. What do you think about this? Without a doubt, I think there's no debate here that a rainy day fund is absolutely necessary. And we didn't even know what that rainy day, it was just called a rainy mm. day fund. Now we're going to call it a pandemic fund. You know <laughs> pandemic <right>? fund. <laughs> Now we need a name for it, a pandemic. And businesses are going to change too, because I've worked for a lot of corporations. They never had a pandemic readiness plan. But mark mm. my word, every business is now going to have as part of like your workplace health and safety or ISO certification, what have you. They're going to have requirements for a pandemic action plan in the event of mm -hmm. something like COVID, right? Yeah, definitely. And and entrances, honestly, right now we're seeing that the government is really the one helping companies, small business and people. But like entrances so far, I, I, I don't see how they help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when everyone is affected, insurance... You know, I, I can. You're not swearing, so I feel weird when I'm swearing. But insurance, when everyone gets fucked, insurance doesn't care. When when, yeah. when a flood comes and ruins everybody's house, nobody gets paid. <laughs> that's that's when they're like, oh no. Yeah, it's an act, yeah it was God. not included. It's an act of God, so they'll say. What isn't an act of God? Uh, what isn't? If you I, if you believe in God for the sake of this contract, say we do not cover acts of God. What is not an act of God? <laughs> what is not an act of God? So forget insurance companies i think i think really the focus and i'm very fortunate just because i'm living this artistic life i had mm -hmm. to do this out of necessity as soon as 2018 happened and i moved to toronto to focus on stand-up i had to minimize my living expenses and live as far below my means as possible just to get by at with the minimal income that i'm having and that mm -hmm. really served me when covid hit Okay. So more so than it is, you need to have all these savings. We need to get to uh, people really need to focus more on just living below your means. Because I remember back in the day for those years that I worked, it's very mm -hmm. stand. If you get a big promotion, you might. Uh, guess what? No, no, not even it, like I'm talking about like middle aged people. If you get a big promotion, guess what happens? We're redoing the kitchen, right? <laughs> if you get a big yeah. promotion, oh, we're going to upgrade our car lease. As soon yes. as you get promoted, as soon as you make more money, you adjust your lifestyle proportionally. You keep yes. taking one step more money, one step. And that is the trap. So you never are living more comfortably. You're always right on the edge. Mm -hmm. So if people, yeah, yeah, yeah. if people just continue to uh, 
progress in their career and maintain the same lifestyle, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Yeah, that's that's really amazing what you're saying right now because it's our capital capitalist system, you know? Like we always want more. We have money, we want we want to buy and spend more. It's just the way it works. But we we don't focus on like developing more skills. Like a lot of people just like they have their work, they have the security and they're good. Like that's it. And they have more money, they get their promotions and they're still good. But I think that pandemic like really is teaching teaching us a lot, especially like we have more time to learn new things as well like to develop our skills because not only like you said if we have a promotion and we want to improve our day-to-day or lifestyle or what we already have but also we spend a lot of time just going out and <laughs> not focusing on our which is good we need fun in our well, life yeah, yeah but, exactly i actually but, see the value of that i see i I see the yeah. value of experiences. I think the one thing you can no, spend that's money fine. on yeah, yeah. with no regrets is travel. Yes, definitely. I'm not against traveling or having fun on anything, but I'm really thinking about myself like in January, I was never home. I was just never home, which is like it's not like I was doing different experiences like no, you're at going all. from cafe to cafe to yeah. like yeah, like yeah. Cafe to restaurant to restaurant. That's yeah. that's the type of thing I'm saying. Like if it's a new experience, like traveling new places and stuff like that, I'm all for it, you know? But at the same time, if you check your bank account and your expenses on it, I was checking my credit card, and it was all like restaurants, and some of them were like the same restaurants like five times in this like in two, three days. Yeah, oh and- I remember <laughs> I the exact same thing back in my corporate days. I would just take a look because Once you make a certain amount of money, you give yourself a pass in your head like, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. You don't even check you don't even check the amount anymore. You're like, I have this money. I could just go until your car says no type of thing. Yeah. Yo, I I remember in San Francisco, I was spending $2000 a month just eating out. <laughs> I know. $2000 a month. Whereas now, I have maybe a $400 monthly grocery. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because I'm living to my means, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. I'm, try- I'm trying to live below my means. Just so when shit like this happens, I have breathing room. Because it's like, yeah. even if you don't have, if you have, if you're saving like really good, like you're saving well, that's awesome. But guess what? If you have three, four, five thousand of monthly expenditure just to maintain your standard of living, savings get burned quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I think, yeah, that's a really good angle. Um, so now we focus a lot on like uh, work and passion and everything. Now going back to the immigrant experience, do you, do you have anything you want to share with us? Immigrant, just socially, like meeting people, like do you stick with people from your culture only? Do you have like friends that are from diverse backgrounds? Like how is it just integrating into the new culture? Um, did you face like new challenges or not? Like, how was your experience? Some people, they have it good. Some people, they just have a super bad experience. I would say I had a really good experience. You know, mm-hmm. I had a really good experience. I, I grew up in London, Ontario, uh, 85, 90% white people, but I grew up in a very, like a bubble of an Arab pop, uh, community because okay. I was raised uh-huh. very aggressively Muslim. Okay. 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 So I'm like in the masjid, the mosque, that community, all that stuff. But for so mm-hmm. many years, I really just wanted to not be different. I just, 
if my mom called me, I would step away so my white friends wouldn't hear me speak Arabic. You know what I mean? So mm. I really just didn't want to be different. I just, I, look, I'm, di- I'm just like you. I just don't want to talk about anything related to me learning Quran or anything. I just, I really wanted to be like a, the white kids that I was around. You kept it private. Like anything that has to do with their culture was private. Exactly. I wouldn't let them over to my house because there'd be bakhur smoke. My mom doing like <laughs> smoke, f- the foreign smell. I was so scared of people coming and judging. I was so afraid of judgment for so long. Even though the life uh-huh. itself was totally fine. It was m- internalized fear of judgment, you know? Mm-hmm. And then at one point, once I really embraced this creative path, I realized that all of th- my exact story as it went, my exact experiences literally shaped me. And now if, if, you continue to, if you continue to try to create an image of what you think is funny, mm-hmm. it never hits the same as if you just tell your story how it happened. Okay. So live and talk about my experiences, how they were. I re- now that I, I'm really leaning into the whole immigrant thing because I am a tried and true immigrant. I had all these mm-hmm. immigrant things I ran away from, and now I embrace them fully. And when I embrace them fully, I find my audience more and more. They come. There's so many people in the same shoes as me, and I'm telling jokes that they t- totally get, but they just haven't seen somebody do a joke about again. You know? Okay. Like okay. so, like they, they they can also connect with you is easily. Exactly. Like a, a true connection. I'm able to resonate with people. Like before, when I first got into comedy, I really would try to sit there and think, what's funny to me? And let me depict that in my stand-up. Let me depict that in funny videos I make, right? Mm-hmm. But now I realize just sharing my actual immigrant experience is the funniest thing of all. It, there is, I don't have to sit there and fabricate a funny idea. I just tell a story of my parents closing all the lights off during trick-or-treaters when they come to the house and be like, everybody get down, everybody, shh, shh. You know what I mean? Like just telling how immigrant refugees respond to trick-or-treaters coming in devil outfits <laughs> is funnier than a random idea about a car idea I may want to tell, you know? Oh, that is very funny. So uh, that is very funny. That that leads to my next question. Um, well, actually, I have two more questions. Do you feel like your environment, let's say your your non-immigrant environment um well here in my podcast immigrant for me is anyone coming from a new country that i want to leave permanently but i guess here we we made a little stereotype um difference here with immigrants by uh non-western countries but um do you feel like once you started showing more your personality as an immigrant do you feel like people were like oh my god is he just coming out now because you were hiding so much of that side of you before Um, was were they surprised? For example, me that happened to me. Um, I I decided I wanted to fit in so much, so I was hiding so many things. And some of them were curious because I'm from Haiti in the Caribbean, and there is a huge community of Haitian here in Montreal. So they were asking me questions like, "Oh, my other Haitian friend did that. Like, do you do the same?" So they were curious about it to to find similarities with my culture but I was hiding as much as I can because I wanted to fit in but once I decided to stop playing that that um that game and hiding myself who I was because I was also searching for myself as well as as like a young kid you know everybody everybody goes through that but they were surprised and I lost so many friends too because they were like they can't deal with that new identity of mine (laughs) but it just had been my identity for so long but hidden 
Do you feel that exactly, your environment? Yeah. That's exactly huh? my life. What you just described. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty much what I'm saying. Like for so long, I wanted to be Canadian. And I thought if I could just convince them I'm as just Canadian as them, then mm-hmm. I'll have the smoothest, best life. Exactly. But now I realize that why you've been going against the grain. Just be who you are. You know who I am? I'm mm-hmm. a Sudanese immigrant that was raised in a poor ass household. It, like mm-hmm. I was raised like village style in the middle of Canada. I was raised mm-hmm. as if my house ha- were operating in the same as a village in Sudan in mm-hmm. Canada. And that's a yeah. interesting dynamic. And just tell that story. That, uh, that's that's the only story I can tell because that's the only life I live. So trying to be something you're not, now I realize you can never succeed being something you're not. At the end of the day, there's only one of me. So there's only one of you. So being you is the best thing you can do. Yeah, it's your superpower. It's because, yeah, There's only one of you. So lean into who you are, what is funny to you, what is true to you, and that's the only way to succeed. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. So, well... That's uh, that's awesome. That's really great to hear that because I, like you said, once you show your personality as well, you you have that connection with other people, and then you're also realizing, like you mentioned earlier, that other people understand it. They're also going through the same thing because you often think you're the only one person going on that with the seven billion people in the world, but I am the only person who's going through this. You know, but like no, it's it's a bit unrealistic. Of course, there are so many people um going through this and as i'm doing the podcast as well i also did like a tv show with other immigrants and we were talking and i was like wow we have so much similarities and it was like immigrants from like other countries like uh, um like eastern europe countries caribbean um from latin america countries uh, um african countries countries in Africa I should say and um, like many different cultures and we had that connection it was the similarity we had together but I never never thought of it I was like they're not Haitian or they didn't grow up here or didn't immigrate didn't immigrate when they were younger because that too is different once you immigrate when you're like in much more younger age like in your teenage teenage years Compared to when you come here older, it's two different. Oh, experience. totally different. Yeah, yeah totally, <laughs> totally different. And I, I realized that. So I was like, they came here when they were older, so they're still connected to their culture. They never understand me and everything. But I realized that there's so much more other things out there, and they don't have to be from the same country as you. As long as they're immigrant, they immigrated like at a young age. We're gonna understand each other, like no problem. Yeah, absolutely. We have the same. Uh... We have the same sensibilities and we saw the same thing. We got the same vibe of being an outsider living here and mm-hmm. trying to fit in. And then when you go yeah. back to your home country, still feeling like an outsider there. So it's like you exactly. don't really fit in anywhere. It's this, yeah. So that's the and I think that's something after. And I'm only now in the last year seeing how much of a gift that really is because I was born mm-hmm. in Sudan and I get and, and, and I remember a time where it's all I knew. And I remember a time going back to Sudan when I'm in grade five, now five years in Canada. Or I went back to Sudan, now I'm in grade 10, 10 years in Canada. And I went back to Sudan, now I'm in university, now 15 years in Canada. I go back five mm-hmm. years at a time. And every time I look and I, 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 and I ask myself just how I feel there as compared to the locals, my cousins, do I feel yeah. – every time I go back, I realize I feel more Canadian, but I still uh-huh. love – the idea, I feel more connected. It just feels more true because what's beautiful is 
at the end of the day, I always feel like a black guy in Canada. But when you're in mm-hmm. Sudan, I feel like I don't stick out at all. I'm just yes. one in a million. And that is the most beautiful feeling when you're just Everybody hiding in plain like sight. Everyone looks like me. That is a beautiful feeling that people here or people that are in their native country just don't really understand when you are native to it. Yeah. To just always feel at a place here, like even if I'm with my closest friend, even if I'm with all like people that I'm like, I feel so Canadian. There's a room mm-hmm. with 14 white people. I'm one black guy. You stick out visually, <laughs> you stick out visually. And visually, there's some things you deal with because there's a physical difference. And that's yeah. not and the case in Sudan. I could literally be walking and no one would ever look twice. But a white person in Sudan, the exact yes. same experience as me here, even worse than me here. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's where i was gonna go definitely the opposite is 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 something and uh, but i totally get you when you mentioned that once you go back to your home country i would say or your roots um you feel stranger and i have that that little mantra i have nowhere is home or now here is home so uh it's an article i wrote on how like we decide where our home is, whether we have one or we don't, because you know, also the some of uh, immigrants, the yeah. or yeah, or refugees, they also tell themselves like, nowhere is home. Like I'm a citizen of the world and stuff like that. But I do have other friends, for example. Um, they're like, here's my home. I don't even want to go back to to my roots, to my country. So it's a choice, and the fact of having that choice is a freedom, you know. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. But I think if you totally deny that root, there's just yeah. a, there's a knot you left untied within you just for the rest mm. of your life. kind of. Cause you kind of yeah. know uh, that your story begins somewhere else and you're not willing to acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah it's true. You, you should never, never forget where you come from because that's just how you started. And some of them don't deny the roots, but they're like, they, they won't go back to the country like in five or 10 years. It might be in 30 years for them, you know? Oh, if you ask me, yeah. If you asked me eight years ago, when are you going to Sudan next? I'd be like, I'm not going to Sudan anytime <laughs> soon. Now I'd yeah. love to go to Sudan as soon as I can. The older I get, see? the yeah. more I'm like, man, that too. When I was a way of living completely, I'd love to that go is... and just break from this Canadian thing and go check that back out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is totally true. Because when I was younger, I would rather go like on vacation somewhere else. I was like, I already know this country. Like, I want to go somewhere else. I want to travel like a place I don't know. That was my mentality. But uh, as we get older, you're hundred percent right. You're like, I want to go back home, <laughs> get the sun out, and especially if we have the sun, sunny country, we definitely want to go back. Absolutely, yeah. And like, if if it's a country that's not super industrialized, like Sudan. Uh... Mm-hmm. The thing you don't really realize that is amazing, when you go to Sudan and you go to the villages, when you look mm-hmm. at the stars there at night, it does not compare with here. You realize just how much light pollution is here in these like super industrial first world countries, so to speak. When mm-hmm. you are out in the country of Sudan and you look up at, there is n- you see so much. It's so beautiful. It's, it's just, un- it's breathtaking. When you look up at night, mm-hmm. it's like, the stars, you it's like you see the whole universe. It's incredible. I miss that. Wow, that must be incredible. I miss that. You should, you should take a picture of that next time and post it on your Instagram page so people like me can see. 
Yeah, but you know, it's the, shooting the night sky is one of those things that in the moment it looks Very amazing, funny. but when you take a picture of it, it never looks the same. <laughs> it's like taking a picture of a sunset on your phone. You see it a month later, and you're like, I never shared this with anyone or anything because it looked so <laughs> nice that night. But right now, it just looks like any random picture, you know? You have to take you have to take it at the beginning, in the beginning of the sunset, and with portrait mode, then you're gonna have yourself a good picture at least. You ever go to a concert and you take a video of the act at, while you're in there, and then when you look at it after, the sound is all messed up, and you're like, "I'll never yeah. send it to anybody." <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> what was the point of recording this even? Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. So, um, well, I I don't have any more questions. I think that was a really awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Yeah, I've had but, a blast. Um, do you have anything you want to add or some tips tips you want to share? with uh, the audience also if you want to talk more about your podcast so they can also follow you i mean the podcast is the vibe that i just gave here we don't really that's what i'm saying i like that you keep it structured and just kind of talk about my podcast i have a guest on we just go live sometimes we talk very specific immigrant stuff some we talk about whatever we talk about so come out check that out it's comedy oriented so there's going to be a lot of laughter uh check it out the immigrant section but from my end, just if you, whatever you're doing in life, uh, especially if it's a, a, a creative endeavor, just lean into yourself, lean into who you naturally are. Because so long I would sit there, like I said, and try to come up with the funniest ideas and they would not hit nearly as close as if I just took the camera and showed a scenario of my mom being like, why'd you get McDonald's? And I will make you, I will make you burger. I will make you burger here. You know what I mean? Like those videos get a hundred people being like, yo, that's my mom. That's my life. Whereas a funny spoof of Fast and the Furious, you may think is hilarious in your head. It's funny, uh -huh. but people need things to relate to. And that goes way outside it's not authentic. of comedy. Be it's yourself. Not authentic, exactly. Right? Be your, just yeah. be yourself. I was running away from myself for so long. And now I'm mm. just finally learning to just... I'm now, I'm at, okay, who am I? And leaning into it as hard as possible and magnifying it. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Anika. I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> <laughs>